Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. Your, mo- your moderator for the show is Matthew, and you can follow Matthew on Twitter at ASD underscore Hokey Smash. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as he introduces our guest. And Dan, I'll be sending you the invite to speak. So this is Matthew. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, this is the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is the longest running independent ACC podcast in the United States. We are at episode 471 today, and we have a wonderful return guest on tonight, Dan Caro. He's the owner and operator of TreadmillHorse.com. You can follow Dan on Twitter at, at TreadmillHorse, and it is a blog that is focused on Virginia Tech athletics. It heavily concentrates on men's basketball and, fo- and football, but you've also seen a lot of coverage there on women's women's basketball and baseball i mean dan really covers it all over at his site but the heavy the heavies of course are, are the big revenue sports at virginia tech and he's also uh, also a fan of the acc just like us dan welcome back to the all sports discussion acc podcast we're happy to have you come on as a return guest you've been here in several capacities over the past i mean you've been here as a guest podcast host you've been here as a panel member you've been here during college basketball season, you've been here during college football season for weeklies like you are this week. You've been here for preview for college football previews. You've done it all for us, and we're happy to have you back, Dan. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm really sorry about last week. Uh, we had some technical difficulties, which had me get pushed a week, so I apologize for that. But, yeah, just ex- excited to be on the show again. That happens, Dan. It happens to the best of us. So here we are, man. We are reviewing week four. Which ACC ACC team do you think was the most disappointing team in week four, Dan? The floor is yours. Yeah, so I think it was Clemson. They had a big opportunity to bounce back after their loss to Duke in week one and get themselves back into the college football playoff discussion, but they couldn't get it done. They got close. Um, and last week, I thought they had a really good opportunity, like playing at home to upset Florida State. Uh, yeah, but it was just they just weren't get, able to get over the hump. And like if they were able to get that win over Florida State, I think it would have got them back into the college football playoff discussion because it would have been a huge win over a top five ranked team. Um, just weren't able to get it done. So I think that was disappointing because they were definitely the team with the biggest opportunity this week. So there are lots of candidates, Dan, for most impressive team. I You can talk about more than one if you want, but who do you think was the most impressive ACC team of week four? And again, you can say as, as many as you want here because we think there were probably a lot of really good performances. So for me, it's, I got to go with Florida State just because it's the most impactful nationally. So basically, they solidified their position going into like the college football playoff discussion, and from here on out, it seems like their their schedule generally is is pretty manageable. This was the one that you'd really look on the schedule. They have to go to Clemson and get a win. That that looked like on paper the most difficult game. So 
getting over the hump here is definitely a big step forward for them. And I see them having a really good chance to win the conference and, and go to the college football playoffs. Um, aside from that, there's there was a lot of really good performances this week, like Miami having a dominant win over Temple. I thought they looked really good there. And um, for once in, <laughs> in the last couple of years, Miami looks like they're, they're actually back. They're playing well. The offense is looking good. So I think Miami's win was really impressive. Um, Georgia Tech being able to pull out a win, like especially being able to pull out a win on the road. I think they looked really good. Like Wake Forest came into that game three and zero. I know it's a bit of a questionable three and zero, just because like they they had that really close win against ODU. Um, but Georgia Tech being able to take care of business on the road, I thought they looked really good there. And then obviously North Carolina. Um, again, like another ACC ranked team, they want to show that they're deserving of that ranking. They want to stay ranked. And you got Pittsburgh, who's, who's got some offensive struggles at this point, but uh, being able to go on the road again and and prove that ranking, I thought they had a good week, too. All good responses. I'm just going to add one thing here. Louisville's 4-0 right now. And... They looked, I mean, BC isn't that great of a team, obviously. They got some major challenges, major talent challenges. But it's pretty terrific that a new coach is walking in there 4-0 in Louisville, right? I mean, I'm most impressed with their offense. Their offense looks awesome. They're really balanced. Um, they're putting points up against everybody that they're playing. So I think I think Louisville is a story to keep watching on, like, they have a, a decent defense, but it's the it's the offense that's really putting on the show right now. Um, again, like like most teams in the in the ACC, they've got a pretty manageable schedule, so if they can keep it up, like look at them to be one of the a potential top two team in the ACC going to that championship game. And I'm certainly, I mean, I'm probably going to go on here because it it actually was a really good week for the ACC last week. You know, you always you always get worried about playing a service academy. Syracuse still met the bell there, right? They, I, I told Jeff last week. I thought I was concerned that Army could go in there and potentially upset Syracuse. Syracuse found a way to found a way to win. They're they're four and zero. I mean, and you're not gonna, you know, they're pro, they very likely will end up in a bowl game this year. It's the magic of the JMA Wireless Dome, Matthew. You know, you don't. You don't just waltz into the JMA wireless dome and come out with a win. So it's it's that Syracuse magic they got running up there. And Duke, I might add as well. I mean, I, I here I am. I sound like I'm preaching to the choir. I mean, I sound like I'm just ringing off teams like an auctioneer. But there are a lot of teams that have played pretty, I mean, really pretty well so far. I mean, would you, Dan, would you suggest, I'm just going to do one follow-up before we go to Jeff. I mean, QB plays pretty strong in the conference this year, don't you think? I think the SEC would love to have the quality of quarterbacks that the ACC has this year. Um, so I definitely agree with that. And the, the thing that's different about the ACC this year, we've seen ACC teams go through the first couple of weeks of the season and get ranked. And like They'll have like a good win in week one or two, and then you'll see a big flop from those ranked teams. Thus far into this season, like the ranked teams seem to be holding up. Like Florida State continues to look good. Duke's looking good. Miami's looking good. North Carolina's looking good. So it doesn't look like those ranked teams are a fluke. They're they're really holding up their end of the bargain. I actually think too that I mean, 
you know, if Louisville wins their next game, they're going to enter the top 25. I can't see that they're not going to do that because they're knocking on they're knocking on the door to get there right now. Jeff, friend, you're up. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Um, Dan, with what ACC football game are you looking forward to the most in week five? So I'm interpreting this question as a game that a team in the ACC is playing because technically Notre Dame is not an ACC team. But the one I'm most excited about is Duke versus Notre Dame. Simply for the fact that Duke has a chance to break Notre Dame's 24-game regular season winning streak again versus the ACC. So I think dating back to 2019, no ACC team has beat Notre Dame in a regular season game. Um, there was that pandemic era game during 2020 where Clemson D did beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship game that year. But other than that, dating back to 2019, no other ACC team has beaten Notre Dame in the regular season. So I think this week Duke has a very good opportunity to upset Notre Dame. Um, right now, Notre Dame's favored. The game's in Durham. Um, and like as Clemson found out this year, going into Durham is not necessarily an easy place to go play. So I think Duke has a pretty good shot this week on ABC, nationally televised game to upset Notre Dame. Jeff, I want to do one follow-up yep. there, if you don't mind. Yeah, definitely, Matthew. I, Dan and Jeff, I'm low-key looking forward to Louisville and NC State. I think that's going to be a hell of a game, in part because North Carolina State's got a really good defense, right? Their defense keeps them in a lot of games. And Louisville's got a really good – you know, got a, as Dan mentioned earlier, Louisville's got a really good offense – and I will be interested to see how that all turns out. I mean, right now it says that, you know, I think I saw the line on it. Louisville's favored by three. And I'm I'm a little surprised that they're favored going into – going in – if I'm not mistaken, that game's in Raleigh. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. that's. I'm a little surprised that they're favored going in there. And I will have – I will have my eye on that because that is a that's it's an ESPN game. It's on Friday the 29th. It's at seven o'clock. It's it, it's the only one in that time slot. So there's going to be a lot of people that are watching that game, and I'm I'm really highly intrigued by that game because I think you could see, you know, if if NC State wins that game, that's another team that could be knocking on the door of the top of the top 25, and the, you know you know and they've been for the most part, fairly consistent. You've always wanted to see them see if they can get to the next level by getting a big win. Last year they got that win against Texas Tech. And but you you would like to see them make that next step. And if they if they can you know if they defeat Louisville on Friday, they got a chance to get back in that in that top twenty five and have a, have some have a meaningful game. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think the Louisville being favored in that game is mostly because NC State just didn't look super impressive against UVA last Friday. I mean, like, I think I think NC State can play better than they've played the these first four weeks of the season. I think I think they can take it into up to another gear. I think we haven't seen thus far everything they can do offensively. I think the defense is playing okay, but in recent years they've played better. 
So we'll see which NCC, NC State team shows up against Louisville. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they've just got to prove that they can stop that Louisville offense. Like, Louisville's been putting up points against everybody they've played this year. So we just got to see, like, which NC State team shows up. If they show up as that really good defensive team that we've seen over the past couple of years, I definitely think that NC State can win that game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead, Jeff. All right. I mean, and you mentioned it already, Dan, that that Duke and North Carolina, I mean, the the Duke and Notre Dame game, uh, I mean, what a great opportunity for Duke. They've, they, they've, the game sold out, is already sold out, sold out last week. They got game day going to Durham for the first time. Um, you know, and, and Notre Dame coming off a, a devastating loss to Ohio State. Um, a game that they really had no business losing, um, up 14 to 10, and uh, Ohio State on that final drive, they dropped two interceptions, Notre Dame did, that could have ended the game. They gave up a third and 19, a fourth and seven. Um, they really gave that game away against Ohio State, and that's that's going to be, I mean, if you're on Notre Dame's team, that's going to be really tough to overcome you know, you've got to focus. You got to get focused on Duke right away because we know what they're capable of. We saw them again. I mean, they won't have beat Clemson by three touchdowns. I don't care how many mistakes Clemson made. You know, that was a three touchdown game, and they've blown out everyone they played. And Notre Dame's got to come, you know, turn around following that Ohio State loss, put that behind them, um, and try to get ready for Duke, knowing that they had that game won and they have no margin for error for themselves to get back into the playoffs. They lose a second game, you know, they're, they're finished. And, and that's, that's a lot to, to come back from, in, in my opinion, knowing that they should have, you know, beat Ohio state. I think Duke has a tremendous opportunity to win that game. And if Duke wins, I think they're a borderline top 10 team. Like it could vault them up into the top 10. So just like that Clemson game in week one, if Duke wins this game, like they, like they're very much in like the national conversation, if not just the ACC conversation. Like it would be a huge win for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, Dan. Which ACC team could be on upset alert in Week Five if they are looking ahead to a game on their schedule or otherwise just sleepwalking on the field? So we just talked about Notre Dame having played Ohio State and then having to go to Duke. So, like, we could see uh, a letdown from Notre Dame, but in the same way, we could see a similar type of letdown against Florida State. They've got Syracuse on the road, and as I talked about earlier in the podcast, Syracuse can be a tough place to play, like a sneaky tough place to play. It's a noon game. It's a noon game up uh, up in the northern part of New York. I mean, like just Clemson better watch out. Like that's not one you want to get there for that noon game and sleepwalk through. So I, I would watch out if I was the Clemson Tigers. That's one that I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, o- over the last several years, even when Clemson was, was at the top of college football, when they were, they were among the elite of the elite, uh, Nobody gave Clemson more consistent trouble than Dino Babers. I mean, they they beat Clemson when they were, you know, at the top of their game. And consistently, 
you know, they're able to get Clemson into the fourth quarter. And, you know, now they're coming into to this game, just like you said, you know, off their own, you know, kind of devastating loss to Florida State, a game that they were in control of until mistakes late late in that one. I mean, how do you put that game behind, go on the road to Syracuse, who's playing with a ton of confidence, an experienced quarterback, uh, a pretty salty defense, and, and Dino Babers, who's never coached with any fear of Clemson. Uh, that's an extremely dangerous game for the Tigers. Um, and uh, it wouldn't shock me at all if Syracuse comes out of there with a win. I mean, clearly Clemson's more talented, but Dino Babers has gotten into the fourth quarter with a f- in years where there was a much bigger talent gap than there is this year. I, I mean, I just see noon start and Clemson coming off that huge game with Florida State. That has sleepy early start written all over it for Clemson. So if if Clemson wants to win that game, they they got her better they better get off to a fast start because if not it could it could be really dangerous for them. Yep, definitely. All right, Dan. Let's step out of the ACC for a bit here. Which national FBS games are you looking forward to in week 5? And we're wide open uh with this question. Uh this can be Power 5 non-power five you can even have an fcs matchup and then give us the winner of that game or games that you've got your eye on so there's a couple that look really fun so we already talked about notre dame and duke that one looks really fun other than that like you've got lsu going to Ole miss i think lsu is playing really good ball um after that loss to florida state in week one so i could see lsu going um going into Ole miss and getting a win so that's one to keep an eye on and then I'm, I'm always looking for those, like, really good Thursday or Friday night games and that Utah going to Oregon State. That one looks really fun to me, too. Um, and that one, that's another one where I'd be looking for Utah to see if they can go on the road and get a win. Um, obviously, like, every week I'm seeing what uh, Deion Sanders is doing. So they've got, they've got USC this week. I think you're going to see more or less a repeat of what Oregon did to Colorado. But that'll that'll be a good one to keep an eye on um this week's not as fun as last week in terms of having a lot of high profile ranked matchups but there's there's definitely some interesting ones on the slate all right um okay matthew what have you got you you got a little extra thought here go for it i just like to watch Michael Penix Jr. from University of Washington. I think he's such a stud, and I think he's the best quarterback in the country right now. And I've always said, like, when the University of Washington is good, when the Huskies are good, when C- when Seattle's Husky Stadium is rocking, college football is just such a such a much better place. He's the best quarterback that Washington's had in thirty years, I think, in three decades. And that I stayed up, guys. I stayed up and watched them absolutely destroy Cal, and you know it's he's just really an outstanding football player. He's got two two players on his offensive line, in my opinion, that are going to be playing in the NFL next year. And I love I love watching them. I mean, if they if you know, I actually think and Jeff and Dan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but. You know, I think that Washington has one of the toughest schedules they've seen in the country because I think they closed with, if I'm not mistaken, they closed with, with uh, what what with Wazoo, with Utah, with uh, UCLA. Uh, gosh, I think another oh Oregon State and Washington State. 
yeah, and all those, I mean, they have like four ranked teams that they close the season with. And it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous, actually. And I almost think a one-loss Washington could 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 warrant themselves contention into the playoffs. It may be difficult, but they're they are they are really. This is the first time in years, and probably the best Washington team I've seen in a long time. They have speed at every single position. And they've just done an outstanding job. And every time I can find an opportunity to watch the Huskies, I will. I used to live in Seattle several years ago, and they're just playing. They they remind me of the teams of of the team the teams of older years. I mean, and and I even though I think they're probably going to destroy Arizona, I will find I will certainly find a way to make time to watch that. All right, sounds good, Matthew. Um, Dan, let, let's uh, let's get a little fun here. You know, at, at your tailgate, what is your snack of choice at, at your football tailgates? What is your meal of choice? So my snack of choice is really anything that I can eat one-handed with a beer in the other hand. So the first thing that came to mind there was like chips and queso. You know, like anything that I can, like any sort of dip, you know, like if it's whether, anything you can pair with like tortilla chips or anything you can pair uh, with potato chips, like anything like that, that works because you can eat it with a beer in your hand. So I think, I think that's my go-to snack at the football tailgate. How about your meal of choice? So, so along the same veins, I need to be able to eat it with one hand. So it's like hot dogs and hamburgers. Anything I can hold in one hand and keep a beer in the other hand, like that's that's what I'm going with. So it's like either one is fine, just one-handed foods. And if you're at Tech and they're smoking turkey legs, like they would fall into that same category. You can hold a turkey leg with one hand, you're good to go. So anything that falls into the one-handed. Very hand. good, sir. Very good, sir. That's most stuff, I think. Most stuff. Have all kinds of people that share good food at every at every tailgate in Blacksburg, and I'm sure at Clem, at Clemson. Right. It's open microphone time, Dan. What do you got for us? So what I got this week is I'm really annoyed this year by the running clock in college football. It was a rule change that they implemented for this season that even when somebody runs out of bounds, like the clock stops. On the, the clock restarts on the ready for play. Um, and the reason they did that was to try to speed up the game. But in my mind, the real reason for doing that is just being able to shove more commercials during game time because as we can all see, the games aren't any shorter than, they've, <laughs> than they were last year. Um, and I saw one study that said that in a three-and-a-half-hour game, a third of that time, like almost an entire hour, is spent showing commercials. So I just think that that's, that's a rule that they might want to think they might want to roll back next year. Um, I appreciate what they're trying to do. Like they, they claim player safety. I don't think it has anything to do with player safety. I think it just has more to do with fitting in more commercials during the game. So I'd like to see them just go back to the way it was. I think there's plenty of commercials being shown during college football. I don't think they need to make any effort to fit more in. And all we're getting is just less football. We're getting less football and more commercials. So that's a rule I'd like to see them go back to, go back to the, the way it was prior to this season, just because we're just getting less football. 
every every college football Saturday. And so, like, it's one that I think they should rethink. Well done. I'm going to use my mo- my open microphone, Dan, to ask you two questions. My first question. Did you see C.J. Carroll's tweet regarding Justin Fuente and the schedule and comparing it to this year's coach? Did you see that tweet? I did see the tweet. Oh, my gosh. That poor, that guy, he got absolutely destroyed. I, I looked at it and I thought, do you still have a Twitter account? It was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing, and I and I can, and I have to tell you, maybe on the next episode, I'm probably when we have more time, I'm going to read some responses because I read read some responses to his tweets. But he uh, he retweeted it back and said, uh, you know, had all these laugh emojis and saying, "Oh boy, I'm getting absolutely crushed here." But I can't imagine that he he didn't expect anything different. And I thought I, I did chuckle when I saw some of those and kind of. You know, you have you have to chuckle it a little bit when you when you have when you have perhaps a more challenging football season. Which, by coincidence, Dan, that's going to be my next question for you. What is your take so far on twenty twenty three Virginia Tech football, Dan? It's it's very much not going well. Um, I think the Commonwealth of Virginia has the bottom of the ACC pretty well locked up. I think they're clear, clear cut the two worst teams in the conference. Um, and as far as Virginia Tech's concerned, I have coaching concerns and my coaching concerns are really less with like the head football coach, Brent Pry. I have more concerns with some of the assistants. I've, I'm just seeing a lot of position groups each week that don't really have a good handle on, on assignment football. A lot of missed assignments. And I don't really think this year, last year it was clear to me that Virginia Tech had a lack of talent, right? Just they're they're pretty much getting beat man for man in a lot of the games they played last year. This year I don't think they have as big a talent issue. I think that there is some still somewhat of a talent issue in Blacksburg. But this year I'm just seeing a lot of – like I, it feels more like a coaching issue. It feels like a lot of guys – that are playing a bit slow and unsure of where they're supposed to be. And I, I get it's it's a bit of a young team, um, but I, I do think they should be better than they are. Um, the, the first four games they played were against teams with comparable talent, um, and they just got outcoached, outschemed. They didn't look particularly good. And I think they should, based on the talent that Virginia Tech has, they should be in a better position than one and three after week four. So um, I'm not sure what's going to happen at the end of this year. I'm not sure if they're going to change out some of those assistants and some of those coordinators, uh, but it's something that if I was advising the athletic program, I would say they should probably take a look at that because they're just not getting the job done at this point. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think that's, I think that's a good assessment. I was, you know, it's always early to talk about this, right? Because I have a poll that just ended today, and I'm probably going to post it tomorrow. And I asked several, I asked several questions. I mean, and the first one was that, you know, do you think Tyler Bowen is going to be around about be around next year? I just wanted to get the pulse of the Hokie fan base, and three quarters of the people said no. You know, so, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know anything about it. But I, I got I got the sense, kind of like what you said, that there was probably people are losing, perhaps losing some patience with it, at least a couple of them. And there was, 
I guess, you know, when, when they first, when Pry first announced the hires and even when with Babcock first announced the hires, I had questions about us getting a first time FBS coach, a first time FBS coordinator at offense, a first time defensive coordinator, uh, you know, that sort of FBS defensive coordinator I had questions about all of those. Right. And at some point, at some, sometimes it feels like it's, a breeding, a training ground, at least the, the way that's that the way that's been the last couple of a couple of cycles, and I have con, I have I have concerns about that. Are my concerns overblown, Dan? I don't think they're overblown. I think we've seen enough times in college football, particularly Power Five college football, that it's it's not a training ground. It's not a place for a first time head coach and first time coordinators. And I think if you have a first-time head coach, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with having a first-time head coach. But if you do that, you need to pair them with experienced coordinators. Amen. In Virginia Tech's, in Virginia Tech's case, they paired a first-time head coach with two first-time coordinators as well. I just think that that's a bad combination. And like you can look across college football, and when you get situations like that, it normally doesn't turn out well. And I think probably like, – to this day, I mean, like, the results aren't there. I think he was a good choice for Virginia Tech's head coach, but I think it was a bad decision to pair him with first-time coordinators because at this point, Virginia Tech is very much appears to be learning on the job and trying to learn on the job in a Power 5 conference. It's, it's a very, very difficult thing to get right. I'm with you 1,000%. Jeff, you're up, friend. What do you got for us? Yeah, just the uh, – I mean, and I know that the polls that come out now, you know, that they – a lot of people say don't you don't have to worry about them because of the, the playoff. The real polls come out later. But I, I always think that the polls that come out now, you know, influence perceptions later on in, in the season. And, you know, one of my gripes with what, what they put out today is, is why <laughs> – Florida straight – Florida State uh, dropping in the polls after winning and covering at Clemson with with an injured quarterback. I mean, anyone watch that game, you could tell Jordan Travis, you know, still still suffering a little bit with the sore shoulder. Um, he wasn't quite right. You go on the road um, with a less than 100% Jordan Travis, uh, and you find a way to win at Clemson, still a formidable place to, to play at, even if Clemson's not who, who they were. And you drop in the polls. That that's my gripe. I, I don't think that make any sense whatsoever. I know Ohio State, um, which which was the the culprit here, as they they showed them as the team that that hopped over Florida State in both of the polls. I mean, it was a good win at Notre Dame. Don't get me wrong. But if you, I mean, you you watch the game and you know that Notre Dame let that get away from them. So I'm not saying Ohio State's not a five top five team, but Florida State has you know arguably two of the best wins in college football. They beat uh, LSU, uh, who some people can actually consider might be the best team in the SEC. You know we don't know about Georgia yet. They they don't play anyone for two and a half months, so we won't know about them until until maybe when they play Tennessee or the SEC championship game. Um, you know, but they they you know I re- I don't know if re- when I saw that game, Florida State steamrolled LSU in that fourth quarter, and you know, if you're really putting these rhythm rankings together by resume, 
they should probably be in the top two uh, with Texas, who has that win over Alabama. Uh, like I said, Georgia doesn't play anyone. Uh, Michigan goes a good couple months without playing a single team with a pulse. Uh, and if you look at their schedule, you know, they're, they're ranked. Let me pull up their schedule here. They're ranked number two in the country with, with this, uh, you know, juggernaut of an opening schedule of East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. And, you know, their juggernaut of a schedule, you know, c- continues until deep into November with Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, and Purdue before they go on the road to, you know, Penn State. So, I mean, it must be nice to to go, you know, two and a half months into a season prepping for a game at Penn State in the middle of November. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's that's my gripe. There's no reason that Florida State uh, should have dropped in the poll. There's no reason to have uh, Michigan as the number two team in, in the country if we're basing this on, on resume. And the same with same with Georgia, you know, number one team in the in, in the country. And, and I'm not faulting. They've been the best team in college football the last two years. But, you know, you're going off of what's happening during the course of the season. And their opening schedule is UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, and UAB. And, um, you know, they're not playing anyone. Keep going here. They play at Auburn, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, uh, Florida, We that we already saw them got routed by uh, Utah. Um, Missouri, you know, they, they did beat Kansas State, but they get that at home. So, I mean, effectively, you've got two teams in the top three that don't play anyone for two and a half months. Um, you know, I would just like to see these polls based on resume rather than than perceptions, um, rather than what they did the year before. I don't know. We probably never get there. We got the, you know, at the end of the day, if Florida State takes care of business, they will be in the in the in the final four. They don't have to worry about that. But that's still still kind of a gripe there. Yeah, I'd like to see the initial rankings not come out until after week four. And the reason for that is just because I think the preseason polls end up biasing the polls like throughout the rest of the year. Exactly. Like, let's talk. Let's talk about a team like Utah, right? Like Utah beat at this point, what's a pretty good Florida team? Like definitely better than last year. Pretty good. Got a win at Baylor on the road, and then like won against a ranked UCLA team at home. Like that's pretty good. Like that's that's a pretty good first four weeks of the season. And right now you've got. Utah ranked 10th. Like, based on what they've actually accomplished this season, I would argue Utah should be ranked higher than they are, but they're they're at the mercy of where they were ranked preseason, and so they're ranked 10th. I think if the initial poll came out after this week, I think you might see Utah ranked higher. I'm glad you brought up the Pac-12, Dan, because I looked at the quarterback. I did something on the quarterbacks for the Pac-12. I, uh, I did a thread on the quarterbacks in the Pac-12. That was the other – and I, I had forgot. I had mentioned earlier that was the other team that Washington was playing in their final four. What it's The, the Pac-12 is really must-watch TV this year because they have so many teams that are ranked in the top 25, and they have – I believe myself that they have eight to 10 quarterbacks that could start anywhere in the country. It's very similar to what the ACC had in 2016. That's how deep I think QB play is in the Pac-12. It's just ridiculously, ridiculously good. And 
you know, you could see a point where, you know, Utah and Washington, for example, is for a spot, you know, that's late enough in the year. I think it's November is what I was looking at where that, that, that really starts, you know, determining who's going to be in the college football playoff when you get there. It could, might even be interesting. Like if Washington were to beat Utah, you could see the Apple Cup becoming re- like a really significant game. And you really hope that the nation could actually see it and it wouldn't be on the Pac-12 network. I mean, I, I mean, I'm like actually being uh, joking here a little bit, right? But, you know, it's they're having the best season that you could possibly possibly imagine in college football and their conference is going to be dead this year. And I hate that part. The traditions of college football are going to be dead after are going to kind of be a little deader after this year, because the PAC 12 isn't going to be around. Well, uh, two thoughts on that. So first off, I, I think this year the PAC 12 is what the sec has been in previous years. Like there's that many quality teams so it's like a, a last grass grandstand for the Pac-12 because they look amazing in their final year in existence. Um, another thing that brought me joy is like that really late night Colorado, Colorado State game, which would be considered like a, a Pac-12 after dark game. The fact that that game had ratings over 11 million viewers, even though it started after 10.30 p.m. on the East Coast, I mean, if there's quality football, like East Coast viewers will tune in. It doesn't matter if it's after 1030. So, and I totally agree with you, Matthew. I think this is the year that you want to stay up late on Saturday and watch Pac-12 after dark because there's a lot of really good teams playing out there. I mean, I just take a look at why. When you're when we're off this call, take a look at the last four weeks in Washington's schedule, Dan and Jeff, because it's they will if Washington gets there or if Utah gets there. They will have earned it. You know, so guys, have a great week. Dan, thank you so much for joining the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on the show, and we love would love to have you come on again during college hoops season, Dan. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's always fun. All right. Have a great week, guys. Take care.